When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to a weekend editions here. It's Hale Bar City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. You spent the night. Hope you're doing all right. Get in with this this morning. Whole lot of get to with uh, Nebraska football news. And uh, can join us 466 3776 466 3776 800 825. 5865. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Mark Skurs at Herbal Essence for Elijah and can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Cranach, you've been busy. I've been bit, man. It's just been one of them weeks and it kicked off with the uh, the college football championship game and a uh, fraternity paddle was used on Ohio State. Saban wins number seven. And then the portal to or from hell uh, was opened up, both doors, and it's been the free-for-all in uh, college football. But uh, Nebraska's got some great news with a number of sixth-year guys coming back to really uh, solidify a a defense that made strides in 2020. But uh, we were talking uh, a week ago this morning over a cup of coffee about uh, what's going to happen with Wandale Robinson. You mean Gondale? Ooh. Are you, uh, are you taking credit yeah. for that T-shirt? No, I am not. Okay. I did read that, though. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, Gondale. yes, Wandale Robinson. Listen, Wandale was on with us, I think, during signing day and a couple of sit-downs back when we were able to – to do interviews, you know, uh, in-person pressers, and just a, a great kid, tremendous player. Uh, wish him well, in all honesty. Uh, you have the uh, the portal being good for Nebraska in the form of Toure from Montana and uh, Step from SC, the running back that, I don't know, I kind of scream Brandon Jackson when I watch him play. So, you know, uh, Nebraska's rolling with the punches. Coming up in 20 minutes, our rewind with Barry Switzer. The old ball coach made his jump from uh, college and three championships to the NFL and uh, won a title with Dallas. He's the first to tell you, and he will in this rewind session, that his job was to keep the old... 18-wheeler on the road, as he put it, hell, they'd already won two Super Bowls. <laughs> so uh, Urban Meyer embarks on a, a mission in Jacksonville. Cranach, your thoughts. A, to me, you have the Nebraska defense that 
needs to be the strength of, of this 2021 football program. We didn't even get to Rutledge because we'll go there shortly as Nebraska and the special teams analyst and Coach Frost going different directions. So the good is you get a couple of skill guys in. You get nine of your 11 starters back defensively. You're trying to improve and upgrade your special teams unit with a either a, a – uh, delegation to somebody on staff or there are future movements to happen with staff and you go hire a special teams guru to actually be able to coach it on field but uh, Wandale was it's still the sting despite all the other uh, moves and shakes from Nebraska this week yeah it's almost like we could do a lightning round with each of the, it was such a busy news week there's just there's just absolutely so many things that happen, like each of them warranting their own kind of discussions. <laughs> they all they all happen at the same time. The the thing that's jumping out to me right now is okay. So the, my my antenna is up, my alert is up. What the hell's going on in the offensive rooms? Right. What's like what's happening there? Where's the disconnect? There's something going on there, right? You don't you don't lose. J D Spielman was was kind of the the top. Uh, receiver yards guy right i look and we don't know how he was in the locker room was he a locker room cancer or who knows he right? doesn't like we're not in listen, the locker room we're not but we listen he doesn't seem like that does he no it doesn't seem like it but so so he he bails right your, your top guy essentially the guy that yeah, gets yeah. the most yards the most touches gone next year wandale same thing and he says in uh, in one of the interviews with ESPN, you know, half of it was how he was used in the offense. That's a that's a big time rebuke. Well, and then you get the Purdue, oh. you get the Purdue oh. smoke, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> Which right. Which is more salt. Big, big time rebuke of of what Frost and what the offensive staff is doing. It just is. And when you look at the the results, the numbers. Now, granted, this was a Big Ten only season, so your your numbers are likely going to be a little bit lower, anyways. But the offense is flat out regressing, and it has every year, right? It's just it's gone down since he's gotten here. And I, I got a question: Who on the offense? Let's go, skill guys, receivers, running backs, tight ends, people that touch the ball. Who's gotten better? Uh, Austin, I think there's I'll, only. I'll, I'll say Austin Allen. Yep, I'll give you that. I will say, oh man, I think you could throw Martinez in that category. I think he got better this year. Yeah, he I, that's that's a good call after after being benched and the mother of all Jekyll and Hyde football games against Rutgers, right? Where there's three turnovers in the first half. Here's great football play, downfield completion to Wandale, and just the offense kind of looking like you hope it looks like in 2021 with some downhill running, some play action, a nice mix of quarterback and uh, eye-back run game where both go over 100 yards. So uh, the the one guy I can circle that's like, okay, this guy's better is Austin Allen. Yep. Uh, I look at Jurgens after his skill guys. We're talking okay, ball just skill. Here. Okay, well that, that's ball carriers. That's or, it or receivers. Yeah, that's right. It. That's it. And and Wandale. I mean, Wandale got better from his freshman year. He kind of looked the same to me. To I, me, which was fine, by the way. Uh, uh, you know, he didn't have to get a lot better. I. But what I'm saying is, you're not see now. Come now. When I asked that same question on defense, 
You can name Who's a bunch. Better? You can name a bunch of dudes. You're, you're going to rattle a bunch off because it's clear. You can see it. You can see the improvement. You're not seeing that on offense. Why not? That offense is supposed to be the thing that drives this program. It's your head coach's specialty. There's something going on there. There's people bailing. And don't put it past – and look, this isn't – look, because of portal season, I feel a little better about saying this than, than normal. But don't count out McCaffrey. No, I, I – yeah, that's that's the, that's the next, like, bullet point on this long list of – yeah. Bullet points for the for the for this week in 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 2021 is who's you know who's next who's next to leave who's next to come to Lincoln real quick Elijah you wanted to jump yeah, in yeah Mark I just got a, the question for you of like the the thing people say is if they don't want to be here then they shouldn't be here they should be somewhere where they want to be because they're not gonna be putting in their best effort so can, can you take any silver lining from these guys leave I mean. With Wandale leaving, he seemed like the focal point of the offense, but maybe it's the silver lining that they can spread the ball around a little bit more. Offense I'm trying to was figure scoring, it out. you know, offense was scoring twenty three a game, right? So the 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 arrow has got to go up, at not down, not sideways, because yeah. you're you're allowing about twenty eight and a half. You're scoring twenty three, as many math courses as I took at UNL. Uh, retook. Uh, I, I know that that is uh, a lot of one score losses. <laughs> okay. And so, yeah, what is going on with the. Here's what I believe. Here's what I believe with the offense. I believe you've got a lot of cooks in the kitchen. I believe you've got uh, your quarterback coach and your head coach that are kind of on, on one page. Uh, and I think your, your new offensive coordinator is, is veering towards. What what he did at Washington and did at Oregon that's familiar with the head coach. I think if, if you ask Lubick, I think Lubick probably wants to get downhill a little more or have a, a power spread element if I'm going back to that Washington Huskies playoff team. okay. And then I look at Greg Austin, who in title is your run game coordinator, but I think he's the guy who wants to win. I mean, Scott Frost is, is, a, is a physical – uh, 90s Husker. The guy was phenomenal running the football with the option. How many times do you see highlights of him murdering folks on a block or just running over people? That's that's his style of ball. But in his coaching life, his style of ball's been wow. Uh, it's been sexy. It's been high flying. It's been lots of points. It's been uh, incredible. Greg Austin, if you let him run this thing, he wants downhill run he wants lathering a running back up he wants to just pound 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 and he wants to be the most physical football team that because that's where his line can go and i I don't know that well clearly it's not i I don't know we don't we don't have a clear identity because you've got uh an offense right now trying to be so many different things and be Mm -hmm. so good at many different things because look we got to highlight our 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 running backs like mo washington when he's here catching the football being the matchup issue we got a slew of tight ends coming in we got we got to highlight the seam route got to get the tight ends involved oh we got to get the wheel route going got to get downfield here with jd and in wandale right or stan and and oh here's the running game right let's let's this is old school Nebraska let's let's get downhill and slam it down somebody's throat and meanwhile uh, let's uh, let's run the the vaunted bubble screen inside the five I don't know how many times in these these last 
last three years. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes it's not, because that was a really good staple uh, of of the philosophy of getting somebody in space and letting your athlete do his thing while your physical is all get out on the edge. You've got a lot of choices here. It's like we're buying ice cream when we're 10, and uh, what are the best combos to pick, right? Mom and Dad said I can get a triple scoop. Uh, well, what three do I get? Instead, well, your best players, your best players are rejecting. They don't like the flavor. This style, <laughs> like even the, the ones that get the ball the most. Right. Like, I mean, look, you want to talk you know, about being gonna... featured? Oh, you're not going to get more featured than Wandale was yeah. when it comes to touches, Mark. Yeah, well, and and to Elijah's point, mm-hmm. it does. Is there a silver lining? We will find out over the course of a couple of years. Right. We'll we'll find out over the course of a couple of years if. It is a uh, good thing, ultimately, that these folks parted ways and that you're able to bring in different transfers and maybe start to narrow down, narrow in on your identity. I think it's interesting that the receiver, the body types that Nebraska has been bringing in lately in recruiting, everybody is big. I mean, it is going to be, you're you're just not going to have a choice, as long as people don't transfer out. (laughs) <laughs> as long as some of the receivers like actually stay on campus, which does not happen at Nebraska for some reason, that doesn't ha- receivers get recruited. They come to Nebraska. They do not stay at Nebraska. That's pretty much the legacy right now that needs to get broken. In fact, out of the, like the last 20 that have come in, there's only five left, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> like literally five, out of the five as we speak today, signed, five as we 15, speak today. Yeah. Out, out of the 20, over like three recruiting classes, like 15 have have like transferred or didn't show up or like they're just they're not on the roster. So but the this class that Nebraska signed recently, six foot three guys, six foot four guys. You just go out and get some Mori Toure. I mm-hmm. believe that's how you pronounce it. The transfer out of Montana. He's in the six three range. You know, Xavier Betts is returning, presumably. Hopefully he doesn't transfer. Dude, right? Six two, six three. Stop! Just because they're right. on the roster uh, doesn't well, mean they they're going to be off the roster. Well, as, <laughs> as bad as sorry, it's been, sorry, the percentages the say. Percentages. <laughs> Stick <laughs> your numbers. Stick your numbers this morning. Listen, uh, no, it, it comes down to identity. Here's what. Here's what I believe. I, I believe that you have. A, a vision that they're still trying to achieve. It's a cl- it's a blurry, cloudy vision. It is, and when when Sorry. you're in the no, when you're in the living room, it's crystal clear. The glasses work. It's a pure vision. It's a pure vision in the living room, and then you get to campus, and you're still in the in the midst of trying to 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 get it refined to get this picture like you want it to look like. And there's been some, some adjustments here to the old uh, uh, binoculars. And after a couple of years, Wandale, and I honestly think it's more about, you know, the folks in Wandale's ear said, dude, I know and God love you for doing what's best for the team because you're the most viable option at running back when Mills was hurt with his knee. Um and you're you're willing to to be a team guy you're going to get the crap kicked out of you and what you're going to have on film for the nfl 
uh, isn't you taking handoffs between the tackles. Yeah, no, it's I, yeah. and 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 that's what that's what you're doing because where are they at with running back development? They got a bunch of dudes. I mean, we'll see what Irvin's like. He's the newest name coming in from this class. You go get Step, who's your 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 Mills replacement, and if if Step can stay healthy, he's also been dinged. But that kid's looks really good when he's healthy. Uh, SC was garbage at running the football this year, and he still was able to make some things happen on his own. So I, they got to figure out what they want to do. I think what they want to do is 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 be able to be everything, but you really need to drill down right. on what you're good at. And yeah, me too. And, Look, I want to be able to dunk. It's not happening. Right. So just, what what are you good at, Cranach? You are really good at the pick and roll and pulling out from mid range. I can dribble. Right. right. And you didn't you, yeah. <laughs> you distributed. <laughs> so stay low and dribble. Where's right. my right? Yeah, well, yeah, you're going to the right, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm interested to see if they can have this epiphany or swallow some pride about being so multiple and and just go with what works. And what worked this year when they chose to do it, Rutgers, Purdue, pistol formation against Minnesota, uh, Penn, Penn State, Ohio State, Northwestern, Nebraska ran for a lot of yards on a lot of good defenses this year when they chose to. Yeah. Now, the difference is, and this is hard for any line, Look at Ohio State. They tried to get it on fourth and two a couple of times Monday night. When they know you're going to run it, can you still get it? That's that's it. Are you good enough to overcome? They know what's coming. They still got to stop at that type of reality. Well, well, the problem is, is that when I look back at those games you listed, yeah, they reeled off a whole bunch of rushing yards, but in most of those games, the leading rusher was the quarterback. I well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some broken play stuff, and and it was right. some scramble. So offense is broken. We just we can just admit it. Like offense is broken right now. It's broken. It doesn't. It's broke. Like it's it's sitting there. Like it's a. Is it is it a casting it's, it's, or is it a is it a sprain? And I think need, right now they they need screws and 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 and, uh, and physical therapy. Yeah, you need. Yeah, it's it's broken. It's laying there on the floor in tatters. You got to figure it out. Like you, don't, it doesn't even know what it wants to be when it grows up. It doesn't. It's weird. Your best players reject it, and they leave. <laughs> Come on, something's something's going on there. Will it be better in the long run? Maybe. I don't know. Right now, it's not though. Now, can I say something a little bit controversial though? Whatever you want to do. A little bit controversial. All right. I I believe it's a stinging loss because of what he represented. Mm-hmm. But I look, Wandale, good player. Mm-hmm. Really good player. Great player? Don't know yet. Great player? Uh, well, mo- eh. well, here's the I'm thing. Not really. Here's uh, the thing. Here's the thing. We'll never know. No. The, the, the thing to me. Didn't have uh, help. Is that, that Juan Dale was billed as this program changer, and that's what Husker fans wanted him to be. They wanted him to fit this mold of a program changer who's going to come back and bring success to Nebraska, and that's never what Juan Dale was going to be at 5'8", 160, or whatever he's playing at. 
He needed yeah. other guys around him to, to allow him to be that program changer. Could he have been uh, a difference maker in the offense and the featured player in the offense? As we saw in the past two years, yes. But based on his production over the past two years, we can know that he wasn't a program changer because to me, the definition of program changer is a guy who can do it himself, who can who can change the fortunes of one side of the ball by himself or just about by himself. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and no, say... That's not him. No, uh, fine. He was not Tommy Frazier. Okay, fine. He doesn't have he doesn't have elite top end speed. Let me say this though i can I can give you I can give you four games he doesn't play in Frosty's records instead of twelve and twenties, you know eight and twenty four. Okay, hey, look, hey, I mean it's I, a loss. I'm not trying to excuse. No, no, and, and I'm and I'm not like and I'm not calling you out as being unreasonable. It's not a horrific take. You've got plenty of evidence. We won't get. I think you're right, Elijah. That he's he's a he's a monster complementary piece, kind of like kind of like Spiel, kind of like Spielman. You know how great JD was when you had a guy like Stan, right? Yeah. Is 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 he uh, is is he okay? Guy that who kind of brought Florida from really good to oh damn, they could almost beat Bama. Pitts, right? That tight end. Remember him? Yeah. He's he's the guy that. Is is truly going to screw your defense because yeah. safety linebacker doesn't matter. They're not covering him. Okay, uh, right now, I mean, Wandale was was good enough to cause the focus and focal point of a defense to zero in on him, put him in the slot, get him in a matchup, get him yak yards, let him carry the football. There just wasn't enough else there other than the quarterback run and a healthy Mills when he was healthy. Bless his heart to. To, to do much, and that's why you're stuck at 23.5 a game. So you're not wrong about, all right, let's let's be real about the level of greatness. Yeah, it's just – and, and, and it's not he, coming out as, player. as bitter, there, pissed Husker yeah. fan, you know, spilled milk here. Oh, well, he's gone, so we're going to blast him on it. No, that's not nah. it at all. He's, he's really good, and he could have been incredible. But the he had, Washington he had loss a, is bigger to me. See, well – yeah, I mean, like, if you take aside, like, whatever, however he acted and how problem is, is we're, we're, like, we're talking about your two most two arguably your, your two most high profile offensive gets in two but, of your but, first three years. And that's where that's like, where we're at. The, but in terms of like on the field. <laughs> no, like, I, no, I know Washington has that elite top end speed and he was deadly when he had his head together. He was deadly in that offense. Just deadly. It now was would you call Wandale deadly? No, call him good. He's good. He's really good, actually. He's very good. He's a starter. He can juke some dudes. But you remember Mo would turn non touchdowns into touchdowns pretty regularly uh, on a swing pass <laughs> in Boulder. Right? Like get this. I mean, come on. Like so, put that in the for what it's worth column. It's not a good thing that he's gone. It is not good. I, I don't. I don't agree with that kind of spin. Well, but, here, here's the reality. You you've lost. He might have become somewhat of a crutch offensively. Well, that's fair. That's very right. fair. And and he was, and and it wasn't working for some of his decision makers about being that crutch for the offense. Uh, and but back to your 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 beyond the the gridiron stuff. I mean, to the point too. You're in a situation where you've got the face of the program that just left 
And then the other spe- side of the spectrum when it comes to the talent you're trying to bring in, you know how big a reach and how many red flags were around Mo, right? So Nebraska tried that. All right, here's a kid that everybody wants, most won't won't want to deal with. So it came down to Nebraska and Arizona State, okay, in, in Mo, and that blew up in your face. Really, I mean, and, and it really messed with your uh, your running game uh, a season ago. And then the other side of it here, a kid that is all in, willing to help the team do the best he can and also be kind of the face of your program for this uh, new facility project, right? I mean, so Nebraska needs to, to, to start batting better than they are with departures, uh, it's different because of the portal reality right now, Cranach. But they got to figure out what they can be, not what yeah, they want to be. That's and a great way to put it. They got to figure out what they can be, not what they yes. want to be, and be okay with being a yes. run football team if that's, that's what you're best word. at with the offensive line. Yeah, who are the dudes that are going to come to campus and stay on campus and are able to produce well? That's what your offense needs to reflect right that's what it needs to be like awesome that you want to have like you know all these multiple choice routes with you know elite awesome receivers they're not on the roster yo they may be on the roster they're not on the field and if they're (laughs) on the field there's about three routes they can run yeah so (laughs) stop it that's not your that's not your bag Mm. that's not what you can do this year sorry like i know you want to just like i want to dunk (laughs) <laughs> but I cannot dunk, so I'm not going to try to dunk. That's uh, I'm going to dribble. It's Mark Cranach <laughs> with advice for life. Mark Cranach, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Hale Varsity Weekend. Uh, I want to hear from a coach that won a Super Bowl. What's the jump like from college to the NFL? How do you do it successfully? Barry Switzer, our rewinds on the way. It's Hale Varsity Weekend presented by the Nebraska Lottery. with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back with you, Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, and uh, it's just a true pleasure to spend a few minutes with Hall of Fame football coach, uh, a national champion three times over, and a Super Bowl champion. I wanted to talk to a man who knows how to win at both levels, and we say hi to the great Barry Switzer. Coach, uh, happy Friday. Nice to spend a few minutes with you. How are you today? Chris, I'm doing fine. It's good to always talk with you guys. Uh, I was uh, actually out for dinner last night. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, as I told you before we started the show, I've tested negative every time, a bunch of tests, and I finally got my shot this past week, and I'll be waiting to the uh, Moderna, and I'll be getting the, the final one at the end of the month. But uh, now I'm doing fine. I'm glad I got to this point, and uh, I'm worried about this stuff. And and I, I hibernated pretty good. I, I I I hung around here pretty pretty close to the house with my dogs and Becky and I. Mm-hmm. So we've, uh, in my age, I didn't want to take it on and fight it. I promise you. Well, but uh, I, well, I'm, I'm pleased. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're doing well, and yeah, you just got to be absolutely so so cautious with this, and, and we're glad you're in good health. And uh, right. I'm I'm uh, you know you're you're my German Shepherd guy. <laughs> you bet. You I bet. Uh, reached out to you about getting one, and, and they're they're awesome. And 
Gertie's anxious. Gertie's anxious to watch Nebraska and Oklahoma play football again this fall. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope so. September, you know, it's kind of neat. You know, what's neat about that too, Chris, is that we're going to unveil in our Heisman Park. We have you know seven Heisman winners, and and we're going to unveil the Selman Brothers statue because uh, it's unique. You know, the Selman Brothers in the seventies, they when. When a Selman played at Oklahoma, we were 54-3-1. and one. Yeah. And uh, two national championships, uh, we were a dominant team in that period. And and uh, uh, I've always wanted that statue. I've, I've, uh, I've politicized for it. I've promoted it. I've uh, fought for it. And we finally were going to get it, and we're going to place it by the stadium over near the Heisman Park. And uh, it'll be a, 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 a heroic statue, huge base with the three brothers uh on you know obviously in their pads and all there their families picking the picture out they want to depict the, the brothers they're lined up but uh anyway i'm excited about that you know, at dinner last night i was in a really interesting chris a guy from the, lives in norman says he is a nebraska fan he came over to me he moved here several years ago many years ago and he was giving me a little trivia and i had never heard this he told me before the Cornhuskers, uh, horn they were called the Bug Eaters. Yes. And I said, looked at him, I said, what the hell are you talking about? I've never heard that. <laughs> the Bug Eaters, what in the hell do you come up with a name like that? In what years? Well, I, I, think, I think it was maybe the late 1800, like the 1890s to the early. Right, right. Early, right. early 19s. My, you know, your buddy Mike Babcock's the man to ask about that uh, for sure. But um, yeah. But yeah, it, it was the Bug Eaters. I used to have a sweatshirt that said Bug Eaters uh, on it. Uh, oh, you got to be kidding me. I didn't, had no idea. I, I'm prepared now to know that. I didn't I thought I knew a lot about Nebraska history, you know, <laughs> certainly from Bob Devaney uh-huh. era on. But, but, uh, you know, and I knew a little bit before because we had some Oklahoma guys who were coaching up there, I think, at mm-hmm. the, and back before then. But anyway, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's good to know that information. How's Nebraska going to be? They have a good year of recruiting? Well, I, they, they've had a lot of really good years recruiting. Coach Frost and company do a wonderful job, Coach, of recruiting. The problem has been attrition, and you've had uh, with this transfer portal, and I know you probably paid attention to it a little bit, where kids have a, a, a free pass to go and and jump ship on a on a on a school or maybe get closer to home. That's that's been an issue with Nebraska, especially some of the Florida talent uh, going back home. COVID's made it really difficult. In quite in, in all honesty, that's the the vibe I'm getting for kids to be that far away and right. and it was such a, a, a kind of a, a stop and start season, you know, with COVID. So. Uh, Nebraska's recruited well. They've developed well in some some parts of the team. Others, you know, they're waiting on. And, you know, one thing that's bit Nebraska has been turnovers, has been uh, quarterback play consistency. And, and, man, how did you handle special teams, Coach? Because that's been a, just a, it's, bit, it's bit Nebraska uh, more times than not. They're trying to figure out what to do with special teams right now. Well, it's always a very important phase of your game. You have to be really good at that. It, you need to really and practice on it and spend more time on it. Probably people don't. People, Someone asked me about the kicking game. I mm-hmm. said, we didn't kick very much, especially punt. 
And because uh, we moved the ball and got in four down zone, we either scoring touchdowns or kicking field goals. And and I really did one year. One year, where our punter only punted twenty two times. And uh, so we were moving the ball. But the game has changed since then so much in the kicking game area. Uh, but it's a phase that definitely needs to be studied and worked on. And they do. In my my era, we didn't have to have a. a coach for the kicking game today you, you have to and uh, that's the one big change that i've seen is that you have a special teams coach that spends all his time on looking at what other people do and and preparing his team to be able to uh be prepared for what they do and to be expanding what they do in their kicking game and uh and take advantage of what's going on out there what he sees and all and, and uh simulate it with his uh team he coaches but yeah it's it's a it's different game today you know we've always said the defense is first and the kicking game second and the offense was third and an era when i played we were in the neanderthal football era and that's why you you got to remember you got to be chris and i don't know how old you are but i'm an old guy Mm -hmm. osmer and i are the same age so i tom might be a little bit older than me but Mm -hmm. i think we're the same year but uh, I'm 83. I think he's 83. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we were talking about this, that one time that in our era, games were three to nothing, seven to nothing, fourteen to seven. You hardly saw anyone put half a hundred on anybody, and uh, it was uh, it's all because of uh, everyone ran the same basically split T offense, and uh, uh, and and then you played kicking game, you quit kicked on third down, you played for field position and uh, and if you scored a touchdown or kicked the field goal, you had a chance to win the ball game back then. You don't see scores like that anymore. And that was in the Neanderthal era. There's no one specializing in one era. Of course, the game has changed. The, pro- the athletes are so much better today. Coaches are so much better today. So the products coming out of high school are just, are, are just so much better and mm-hmm. bigger and stronger. I was in it. We we were in an era that remember there's no weight training. We, we when we came to Oklahoma, there was no strength and conditioning program here. There's no strength and conditioning coach. They had a Nautilus machine down there, I think, and uh, they didn't have enough weight. We had enough guys that could do more than what was on the rack. And uh, I was always told when I played, if you lifted weights, you're going to lose your quickness and your speed, and you're going to become muscle bound. And, and you and you could have no lose your movement, which was all crazy. And uh, but that was the Neanderthal era, I call it, of coaching. And uh, so it's the game has gone so much further, even since I've left it. It really has. Pro football uh, has been influenced by the college game. Is college game has given more to pro football than pro football has ever given to the college game. And you see so much of what we do in our game played and done in college I and mean, pro football and uh, and the the athletes being recruited at quarterback are definitely different the old prototype being six foot four and straight drop three step four step five step quarterbacks and stay in the pocket and throw the football that's that game that era is over with and uh, and the college game gave it to them so you know so, so much has changed and uh, I still believe in the option game. I believe in the, a great uh, – you take Tom Osborne's offense in the 90s, I really believe you could go win national championships doing that because he had a great north-south running game. 
uh, play-action passing game, and he added the option game to it. He was able to attack the perimeter of any defense running the option because he got quarterbacks who could do that, and they uh, worked it into their scheme. So uh, that's the one thing I didn't have in my option game. I had a great option game. I could attack the corner of any defense and, and move the ball, and we had great yardage production. We averaged 472 yards a game per game of rushing, and, you know, that'll never be broken because no one runs the ball like that anymore. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing about it is is that uh, uh, I didn't have the north-south great rushing game Nebraska had because they were an high offense. Yeah. And uh, they were able to attack you that way. And, uh, on the perimeter, they ran the option, and uh, they uh, play-action passes were great. So, you know, it was a, a great offense he had in playbook, and I believe that playbook would work today, but no one – We'll do it, you know. But Barry's, anyway, uh, Barry Switzer's with us on Hale's Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, didn't mean to interrupt. Wanted to get your thoughts on on Urban Meyer. Do you know Urban well? Have you spent any time around I've him? Met, I've been, I've met Urban a couple. I've been on a couple. You know, the Nike uh, uh, team. I yeah. was always on the Nike family, and the, and I always look forward to that in February, and March, going on the cruise or somewhere in the east or west around mm-hmm. the United States, Western Hemisphere with the Nike people. And they took about 30 of the top programs. And, you know, we were the first school. OU was the first school ever wore Nike apparel. That's awesome. And Phil and I will tell you that. We were, <laughs> we were the Oklahoma. I was the coach. And I, I, I went with Nike and we became, we wore their apparel. And, uh, and, but so when, when Joe Paterno and when we both retired and were out of the game, they invited Joe, and then um, Joe passed. They invited mm. Sue and her daughters, and me and Becky. We were invited to go about five, six years in a row as the uh, legendary coaches on the uh, the cruises with the Nike family. So I got to meet him then, uh, even though he wasn't coaching when I was coaching. I got the chance mm. to meet um, Urban there, and, then, and of course know all of, know his story at mm. all. You know, him taking the Jacksonville job, he's stepping into a, a situation that's all, nothing, uh, the arrow's pointing up because there's nothing pointing down because that program's never been anywhere, mm-hmm. really. And so uh, if you're going to take a job, you take one that's been at the bottom because uh, uh, everything's in front of you. What was your biggest challenge? A, with, with taking the Dallas job, were you, were you excited for the opportunity or did you have to be talked into it by Well, Jerry? I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I want you to think about this, Chris. A lot of people don't think about it and, and, and think what I had the, the, the challenge I took on. Hmm. I probably had the toughest situation of any coach because I didn't get to bring the staff. I didn't hire anybody. I didn't bring the people that believed in me and I believed in them to be able to come to the staff. I wasn't able to put a staff. I had to inherit a staff. I didn't know any of them. They didn't know me. I didn't know what their agendas, hidden agendas would be, mm-hmm. who's going to be loyal, who I can work with, who I can't work with. And I had to integrate myself in there and make it work. There's no need to change anything. They've won two straight Super Bowl. My job is to keep it in the middle of the road and keep it going down the highway, and Jerry and I discussed that. So I got to hire a couple of coaches along the way, but that's what I walked into. I'm, I, I'm the only one who got off the bus in Dallas. And uh, so my job was to keep keep it where it was, and uh, and it was a, it, it's totally different than any coach taking. Urban's going to be able to put his own staff and his own people around him. He's going to hire his own. Most coaches do that when they take a job; they have a free reign at that. But I didn't. 
Jerry Jones, I happened to have coached at Arkansas. I happened to have a great relationship since he was a teenager. He hired me because he knew I would be loyal to him, that I could work with him. And he knew that he had confidence in my abilities and talents to, to work with people. And uh, and that was my job, to keep me going. And, uh, and, and it wasn't coming there and, to, you know, to, to build something because they'd already built hell they had. My head, Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, they had, they had all the pieces put together pretty good. But let's continue. We, and you know what? People said, well, hell, you, 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 you had it all there. You know, you, you, you had Jimmy Johnson's team and all that. And I said, well, I could have lost. But yeah. I didn't. I won. <laughs> yeah, you got <laughs> a Super Bowl. That was my job, so I did my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I always said, I gave Jerry and Jimmy that credit. I always said it was Jerry and Jimmy's team they put together. And I said, I bet I could have lost when they didn't. And I ended up having the best winning percentage of any co- coaches coach the Cowboys. And it's because those guys had put a good team together, and I didn't screw it up, and I won with them. And probably should have won two Super Bowls. Probably once should have won it my first year. Because uh, we were down twenty-one to nothing the first five minutes against San Francisco because of interceptions and fumbles and turnovers in the first three possessions we had. But anyway, it's uh, it was a good experience. I liked it, uh, but it's totally different from any other coach's experience. No one did had to do every what I had to do. Barry Switzer's with never. us on Hale Varsity, Coach. In your opinion, when college guys make the jump to the NFL, why doesn't it work out? And it's not just one thing, but what's what's a common reason a college guy can't get it done in the NFL? No, that's bullshit. Half the, half the damn coaches in, uh, 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 more of the coaches in uh, co- uh, pro football now play coached in college. And, mm-hmm. and uh, they, 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 they have, they really have. Assistant coaches, uh, a lot of head coaches, they're all coached in college. And yeah, I, I I laugh at that. I hoo hot to that stuff. Uh, college coaches, if you get hey, uh, you 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 get, you get in there, you all get to draft in the first and second, third round. Mm-hmm. They all have got talent. Every team has got talent. Uh, it all comes down to the quarterback, uh, his ability and talent, and then you got to stay healthy and not get people hurt. But uh, that I've never bought into that just because he's a college coach. Is it? You know, it's more. You know. That the guys that took jobs, you know, Lou Holtz took a job at Jet. Who, who, hell, the Jets aren't winning today, are they? No, they're not. You know, <laughs> and they haven't. And so, and I don't care if they hire a college coach or a, a pro coach. It's been the pro game all along. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, and we know he's a good coach. There's been many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, Mike Mike Zimmer. Uh, he I gave him his first job. Mike Zimmer was with me at. Uh, at uh, Dallas, uh, Dallas. Mm-hmm. yeah, I get hired. I hired. He's one of my hires. Only uh, I had about two or three hires. He was one of them. And hell, he went on into pro football, and he's done well. Uh, you know, hell, it, uh, there's a lot of guys that done it. But uh, anyway, we'll we'll see. Urban has got, but like I said, if you're gonna take a job at, and you got the first pick, and you're, they've never had any success. Uh, you know, Jacksonville is a young team, and they haven't had. I mean, uh, if, if, uh, game, if the errors played, if mm-hmm. years played, they then uh, you know it's, it's nothing but uh, the arrow pointing up for him. Coach, uh, before we say goodbye, uh, my brother-in-law has got a big old RV. 
and we're taking it down with some Nebraska fans for the Oklahoma game. Would we be able to buy? Okay. Would we be able to buy a case of Swin, uh, Switzer Vineyard I, wine I can, from you, can, my friend? I can arrange that. I can arrange that. If you bet you, I can, and I'll get you a half price. A price. Well, yeah. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I will make sure we stop by the old cabana yeah. and uh, and get some wine from you. Then that'd be great. Yeah, I was. I'm. I'm. Uh, you got to call me before you get here, where I can arrange it, get it all done. But you know, Chris, uh, uh, I live 600 yards from the stadium. I live right here on campus, University. I've been here for that's what years. That's so, what I thought, because I, I stayed with uh, some relatives. R- Leroy Blanks, uh, an old chemistry professor down right. at, uh, down at uh, Norman. So we stayed with him for all the Oklahoma-Nebraska games. Cause, you know, every year we go right. down. So, yeah, we were right, right by the stadium, those, those, uh, those, those homes. Yeah, yeah, so you're right by right. it. I live across the street from the tried out in the Pi Pi house, and uh, <laughs> I'm right here on campus. I live by the law school and the museum, so yeah, I walk my dogs all around the campus and over to the stadium and all. It's it's so I'm right here. Right, it's always been home to me, and so that's good. Uh, we'll have to swing by yeah. and say hi again, Coach. You it bet. was it was you wonderful bet. to see you and uh, spend some time. It's great to talk some football with you. You bet. Always enjoy it, Chris. Take care, sir. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Hour two, great to be back with you. It's weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A laundry list of Husker news we got through. Try to solve that offensive Rubik's Cube. Good news for the defense. Still some needs on special teams, like someone to run it. And you heard the last half hour with a legendary coach. He's going to hang half a hundred on someone today, Barry Switzer. Uh, was with us. We welcome in the managing editor from HaleVarsity.com and magazine, author with John Cook uh, and uh, Brandon Vogel. Dream Like a Champion's the book you get at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogue's happy Saturday, man. Good, good to spend some time with you. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're good and interested to, to, to get your reaction. Uh, give me a... a um, descriptor <laughs> you're good with that on on this week if you're a nebraska fan <laughs> um i i i, I want, the first word that comes to mind is chaotic but i don't even know if it is <laughs> like this is kind of I, I i don't know if i didn't know it was going to be this week but this is sort of the january i set myself up for um we do across the country you're going to have this kind of weird uh seniors in limbo scenario uh, and Nebraska did really well there uh, going five for five really on the defensive side and then <laughs> the rumor mill of course really starts to churn this time of year too I mean this is when teams make changes and you lose Wandale I think Diedrich Mills going to the NFL wasn't a wasn't a big surprise to to me so it uh it all just kind of underscored I think where Nebraska is actually at right now which is uh Definitely still in progress. Uh, that might be the kindest way to put it. 
Brandon Vogel is with us on on Hale Varsity Radio. What do you think is the biggest story of the week? Is it everybody on defense comes back? Is it Wandale leaves? Is it Nebraska gets a Montana All-American receiver? Is it they get a transfer from U.S.? Like, it's all condensed into one week. Where, where do you start? Yeah, um, I would probably go the defense first. I mean, you look at those are their top four tacklers and they had potential to lose all of them. Um, and as someone who kind of looks at things particularly this time of year through a returning production standpoint, like getting that share of tackles and pass breakups and tackles for loss back, uh, changes kind of what you would expect for, for next year's defensive unit. So there's that. I think Wandale probably has to be second on that list. Uh, well, the combination of Wandale and Mills, because you, you got the opposite end of, of, of that uh, deal in that you, you lost a big chunk of your returning receiving yards. And, and well, the chunk wasn't as big, but he was, he was kind of their, their top guy. Uh, same for, for rushing yards. So I, that changes in the same way. That changes what you'd realistically expect for the offense. So it's probably those two – I put offense second. It's it's probably it's well, it's definitely the thing that needs to get addressed. Uh, it's their biggest need going into 2021. But the transfers do sort of help. They just kind of, they present a little bit of a back problem of how do you account for those those transfers that come in because you can't just weight them the same as getting a Wandale Robinson back. Okay. Look, can we, can we let's stay with this the 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 defense part real quick. When you mentioned it changes what you would expect, um, and so that's that's both like a Kind of like intellectually, yes, that changes. What about numbers wise? What 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 does that portend? You're looking at a you're looking at a defense that finished 50th overall in total defense. That's not the only measure. They were 66th in third down conversion percentage. So by no means was this an elite defense, but an improved one. How much of a jump, based on the numbers, based on historical data, all of that? could you reasonably expect if it was sort of an average jump based on what they have coming back? What, what kind of defense are we looking at here? Yeah, I've, I've been in the process of putting together those uh, returning production numbers for, well, for all of the big 10 because um, we'll need those for the hail varsity yearbook eventually. And it, it is still in progress. So I don't have a final number, but with, with those top four tacklers coming back, like Nebraska is going to be in the range of, I'm going to guess, 75 to 80% returning production on, on defense. And that's good. So at that stage, you're looking at probably two out of three times that defense probably improves by two or three points per game. Um, not a guarantee that it happens, of course, but that that's kind of the, the loose math on that. Um, you, you mentioned some of those numbers at ESPN's SP plus had Nebraska 37th defensively. Um, big difference there is that it kind of adjusts. Well, it doesn't kind of, it does adjust for opponent. Um, and against the conference only schedule that, that changes things. So there was some, some good progress there. And as you mentioned, you get a little more dialed in and, and detailed. You can look at, okay, well, third down for a lot of the time this year wasn't great. Um, but yeah, probably two to three points, I think, would be a fair expectation, depending on how, how the rest of this offseason shakes out. Nebraska is going to return most of what it had defensively, and they've really made some, some slight gains each year uh, on that side of the ball. 
Vogues, I'm going to take this a step further. We're going to go from the, uh, we've made the progression from the, you know, three feet deep in the pool to, to about five and a half foot. Now we're going to get into eight foot. Where can this defense go if they get somebody off the edge? Right? I mean, we, we've seen Doman do really nice things, uh, specifically on some short yardage situations on third down. He's He's been incredible. But what are we talking about if Nebraska has a guy like Tanner Pop or Nico Pop or, God forbid, they hit a grand slam in the transfer portal with an outside backer that's, that's a sack artist? What, what then happens with this defense? Well, I think it, I think you you could expect them to to take another at least small step based on that alone. One of the interesting things about this 2020 defense is that the first two defenses, so 2018 and 2019, had been really high kind of havoc rate defense. Mm-hmm. They were disruptive. You know, they'd give up yards, but they'd break up a lot of passes, and they even though it didn't feel like it a lot of time. They actually did pretty well in terms of tackles, tackles for loss. This 2020 unit was kind of more classically Big Ten. Uh, they kept the big plays down to a greater degree than they had before. So I think when you look towards 2021, one of the missing ingredients on that side of the ball is getting some more of those, um, getting some more pass breakups, which with two starting safeties, and I think there's going to be good, uh, good competition in that room even with that being the case, you'd hope they could, they could do that. They could do some more of that, um, more tackles for loss, which would include sacks, which takes you to your edge rusher. Um, that would help. <laughs> Just getting a little bit luckier. Nebraska recovered two out of 13 opponent fumbles, which is insane. You'd expect to have six and a half out of that. Um, so, so some of those things, you're, and I don't know what you do about that other than, hey, hopefully the ball bounces a little bit different. But Excuse me. That when I look at 2021, is it, kind of the Nebraska's been good there before. Can they get back to that? And if they add that to the games they made this year, well, then you've got something. Brandon Vogel is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Um, so also uh, as part of this ridiculous uh, week of news, Nebraska parting ways with uh, special teams analyst Jonathan Rutledge. Uh, he was the guy that was brought in from Auburn, uh, did not, because of his role, not allowed to actually coach on the field. It appears, I saw some report that Nebraska has reposted that job, so a senior special teams analyst job. Um, I'm going to verify that to make sure. But it looks like they're going that route again. That as is, opposed that to, is true. Yeah, okay. As opposed to getting a full-time coach, they're going to go to the analyst route again. Um, what do you what do you make of special teams and what do you think just has to like, how will, if they're not going to change it structurally, how are, how are you going to get better? Like what, what, what needs to happen for the special teams not to be a liability? We had two more hours. Yeah. We've added to today's show. <laughs> Special extended edition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> director's cut. Uh, this one was this one was a little bit strange to me. This this move because was Nebraska's special teams where it wanted to be? No. Um, but to go back to SP Plus again, which is just the overall efficiency rating, Nebraska was 127th in in that a year ago. Uh, Jumped to 93rd or 91st this year, I think. So still not good, but 
Like, you, you made progress. And, and I don't know, you know, it's sort of interesting to see that analyst role pop back up. And, and you know, of course, if other things shake out and whatever, um, you can always take down a job posting as well. But um, <laughs> it seems to me that you've, it, you kind of got to it, Mark, is structurally, I think you just need somebody who can own this from, you know, nose to tail, essentially. Place kicking is place kicking. Like, you're, if you got a good place kicker, uh, things can look okay. And Nebraska got a good place kicker, uh, largely. That's Jonathan Rutledge. Uh, credit to him on, on that with Connor Cole. And that part of it looked fine. Punter is a little bit, I think, down to, well, how good is your punter? But also, there's, you know, they're trying to do more directional stuff there, too. So there's a little bit of execution part of it there. Kickoff return is a little bit of a philosophical problem with the rules in place. Like, do you just take it at the 25 every time? Do you have a guy back there you think you can do? That's one where I think you need a singular voice to say, this is how I want to do it. And then, you know, kickoff is a little bit like that, too. And we saw Nebraska get pretty strategy heavy, I guess, with, with some of those short and high kicks and who they used that against and who they didn't. So it all, to me, kind of leads to you need somebody who's like, this is what I do. This is my expertise. Here's why I think the way that I do. And I don't know if they have that. And if they end up going the analyst route again, are they, you can still get there. Um, An analyst can do that. He just can't then transfer that directly to the players through on-field coaching. So it's kind of a tough problem, especially when you don't really have it. Well, you don't have an opening for for a full-time special teams coach. Brandon, if the if the Huskers do decide to go back towards the analyst route for their uh, their special teams coaching, or I guess analyzing, um, do you see this more as a move to appease the fans after only one year of Jonathan Rutledge? I mean, he didn't really even get time to implement what he wanted after only one year, especially in a weird year like this with, with all the COVID and stuff. So did you see Scott Frost making that move just as a way to appease fans or maybe something something deeper there? Um, there's, there's a chance that there's, there's some of that in there. Uh, you know, first one in, uh, or last one in first one out. Um, and obviously, you know, there was some, (laughs) there's some, some concern over, over the state of the program. So you do at times feel like, uh, you have to, to make a move, um, to, to kind of say, Hey, we're working on it. And unfortunately, that this this could have been one of those. I don't know that for sure, but anytime you you make one of these, I mean, look, Nebraska is one of the few places in the country where we're going to spend ten minutes on a radio show talking about special teams analysts. I mean, that's that's just a fact, and that could be part of the draw, particularly for a young coach coming up through the ranks of, oh, I want to go to a place with real football tradition where where people care. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean it. It does feel a little bit like a quirk of Nebraska because if that's true, then the opposite, where you know, moving on from a special teams analyst, uh, also is something people are going to notice. So it, it, it could be, you know, there there could be some strategy to that. Brandon Vogel is with us, managing editor, HailVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L Vogel on Twitter. Here's the thing. Uh, you can you can make a move with Rutledge, and he got you two pieces. One got to perform this year. That's Culp. But you as a program, you as a head coach, I mean, it's on you. And and I know the postgame Rutgers uh, presser with 
the, the comments made, right, uh, about the communication. We didn't want to kick to, to, to Crookshank. Uh, uh, you know, that shouldn't have happened. We tried to sky kick it. I mean, how can you screw up the game of telephone when it's repeatedly killed your team in one-score losses is my question. And why would you roll the dice and go back to an analyst role hoping that the communication's going to be better a second time around? And I know you can't add an 11th assistant. And I know you don't want to get rid of people on your staff. So you're in a rock and a hard spot. But this just seems like you're banging your head against the wall, folks. Yeah, it's, I mean, that example that you mentioned, so Aaron Crookshank takes one back to the house against Nebraska the year before. The second year in a row. <laughs> and then earlier in the 2020 season, basically flips that Purdue game with a, with a kickoff return. And obviously Nebraska knew they didn't want to kick to him because they didn't, except for that one time. Like, how does that one time happen? How does it just get crossed? Is it? You know, was it an error in execution? Probably. <laughs> you know, just a, a, a flubbed kick of, oh, I wanted this to go over there, and instead it went exactly where it, it couldn't go. And I don't know. And, and I mean, in, in a large sense, that's kind of the game of football, is like buttoning all that stuff up, to, to use a phrase that Frost used, which I, you know, people may not like, but I, I think that's a lot of it. Like, those sorts of things don't happen very often at, at Alabama, uh, or if they do, like they're so good everywhere else that you can you can survive it and you don't notice it. Nebraska's not there, and I mean, that's that's the thing going into 2021. It's the big picture questions for Nebraska of, hey, how do we just know that every game we're going to do what we set out to do, what we plan to do, because you know the plans could be good, the plans could be bad. If you you just got to be able to do them. Um, be like, here's our goal, and we hit our goal. We lost but at least we hit our goal. Like, Nebraska's not there yet. Uh, I'm asking you to speculate here. Uh, does Luke McCaffrey come back this year, or does he transfer? I think he comes back. You know, there's, like with with Robinson, <laughs> the Bruber Bill's been, been churning with him, and that usually, you know, it doesn't always end up in, in a player going. Um, but it seems like late in this week, uh, things may have flipped a little bit there. So uh, I think, I think he'll be here at least through, at least through the spring. You know, I can see something like that. I mean, the, the transfer portal is, is going nuts at this point. Luke McCaffrey's brother, Dylan McCaffrey, and, and who knows exactly what his situation is. As far as I know, still hasn't gone anywhere since transferring from Michigan at the start of the 2020. 20 season, like it's just kind of a feeding frenzy in there right now. So I could see saying, Hey, let's go through spring. You know, we plan on this being a pretty open competition and let's make a decision from there. Uh, that seems perhaps the most probable to me. Brandon Vogel's with us. And that's, that's a smart take. I, if you're McCaffrey and you are sure you're a quarterback. Okay. At least give spring competition another another shot, right? The one thing we know is you there's been inconsistency at at quarterback play, and go see if you can't take care of it, uh, and and you know make the, the the coaches think about it again uh, and and force their hand. Last thought here, Vogues, as as we look at this offense and 
me and Cranek and Elijah, we were talking in, in this first hour, you know, how, how you go about doing your business on offense, what you want to do, and what you, you can do. If, if you can circle what you're most comfortable or confident in with Nebraska football on offense, is it, is it the run game? Is, is that where Nebraska could form and forge an identity? Uh, do you believe that they can run the football when they have to run the football? Uh, I think they're I think they're closer there than they are to being able to do everything they want to do in the passing game. Right. Um, what am I most confident in right now? Honestly, is quarterback run, which is part of the problem because Nebraska's leaned on it too too heavily. Um, it's you know they're it's a little bit of their crutch of, Hey, we're behind the chains a little bit. We got to get back on schedule. Oh, let's, let's dial up a zone read or QB draw or because those plays work more than most of the other ones do. We've seen in stretches, this run game look pretty dynamic, uh, into 2018. Um, Diedrich Mills run kind of towards the end of 2019. You're still going to return. I think a pretty good group on the offensive line and I think that's what Nebraska wants to do. Um, you know, you forget UCF. Think back to Chip Kelly, Oregon, when, when Frost was there. Those teams put up a ton of points in a ton of ways, but they were a really, really strong running team. And it was a pretty simple running game. But they had the advantage of pace, which doesn't exist to the degree it did then. Um, but I think you can still do a lot of those things. And I think that's where they want to get to um, it's just been – it's tough in the Big Ten. You're trying to do it now in the toughest run defense league in the country uh, with SEC probably 1B. So that's the challenge. Vogues, enjoy your, your Saturday. You getting a little chilly going? Are you doing some short ribs? What's on the uh, the menu? Yeah, I think I'm doing uh, some, some, some short ribs, but obviously not on the smoker. We're going to go kind of classic winter – style and, and brace those for a couple hours and uh, mm. have, a, have a nice winter dinner. Look at that. Will you post some uh, some some pictures for me? <laughs> Maybe. You know, the only bad thing about short ribs is that they're not the most appealing dish of food, but we'll, we'll see how it comes out. Yes, they are. All right. There he is, yeah. Brandon Vogel. Vogel, <laughs> you take care, buddy. Thanks for the time today. All right, thanks a lot, guys. There he is. I like looking at pictures of short ribs, don't you, Cranek? I mean, yeah, that's a great quote, too, by the way. I think you should put that in your email signature. What? Just, I like looking at pictures of short ribs. Okay. I just think it, say, it says a lot about you. I mean, and yeah, I'm a fat bastard. <laughs> I think it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. So, um, good stuff. A lot covered there with uh, Brandon Vogel. Uh, the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, he is buckling up the chin strap as we speak. And uh, we'll get to him next to Tale Varsity Weekend. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. And then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Thanks for hanging out. Weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal in this morning. We welcome in the Iron Horse. It's Gary Sharp, 
And uh, Sharpie, uh, crazy week, a ton of news. It kicked off with Wandale uh, Robinson, now officially at Kentucky. You have uh, Rutledge is no longer the uh, special teams analyst, and you had some some guys uh, make their way to Lincoln and, and, and a lot of defense returning. As you assess the week, um, what's the sore thumb that sticks out biggest to you? Uh, Wandale not only leaving, but the, 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 the PR fallout. How does Nebraska regroup from that? First of all, good morning, guys. It was, uh, for all of us that are in this business and have a program to follow, it was, uh, it was like a, a post-Christmas gift. <laughs> uh, the optics, uh, when you have a guy like Wandale Robinson, who you won a battle for, remember, you have flipped him from Kentucky. Uh, and, you know, his first two years, when he was good, he was really good. Um, but... It was almost, I think at times, a hindrance to Nebraska's offense because he was so versatile that you could use him as a running back instead of what you brought him to Nebraska to do. Um, and the optics when you're 12 and 20 and one of your most dynamic players leaves is never a good thing. But immediately I said it's more than football. I don't believe about the offense. Now, was he upset that he was used more at running back? Yes, but I also think he is a team guy. And, you know, he'll go anywhere to play to help you win. I, I just I, I think at the end of the day, his his heart was in Kentucky and that's where he wanted to go. And, of course, uh, as close as he is with his mother and her uh, health issues, you know, I mean, he's the soul of your program. You built a campaign around him. I just I, I think it's kind of awkward that you went from. The 24th and 25th of December, he was a big part of your social media to. January 12th, he's out of your program. And prior to that, his dad and his personal trainer had met with the head coach. So there's a lot of things that don't line up. But you have to, you have to move on quickly because he, everybody knows what year four is. And, you know, we'll pay attention to Wandale. We wish him the best. It just I think this is more than football decision. Yeah, and so Nebraska replaces that. I mean, look, it's not a direct one-for-one one replacement, but essentially – Wandale, the Swiss Army knife, goes out. Nebraska brings in a big wide receiver out of Montana, a transfer, and then a big running back out of USC, another transfer. From folks that you've talked to, Gary, I, I'm assuming you've watched both of their highlight tapes. Um, but what's a comp for each of those guys? Like, who, who's who's a comparison for Torre of somebody we might recognize? Who's a comparison for Marquis Step? Well, okay, let's start with Step. I, I think Step is Diedrich Mills, but a tad bit slower. Um, a north-south Big Ten running back that in the month of November, you just hand him the ball over and over and over. Um, I don't think Step is running back one. I think he's just another addition to the running back room. On the other side, I think Torre is a huge pickup for Nebraska. I think he is an NFL-type guy. You know, this is kind of this is a this is a, a way reach because the guy has been in the NFL, is actually still in the NFL. But I like saw him and immediately thought of like Des Bryant. You know, in terms of size and route running and good hands, I, I think I think he is going to be a huge pickup for Nebraska because he is a legit NFL prospect. He's a big-bodied wide receiver. He's also a guy that appears in all the tape that I've watched from Montana. If he can go up and get the football, okay, he's not going to win a lot of. He's not going to lose a lot of those fifty-fifty battles. Um, but I think he's got really good route running skills. He's got a good football IQ, and he's coming here to use Nebraska for one year to bump to the NFL. And so the onus is on 
Matt Lubick, okay, you got a guy that could be going to the NFL. What can you do to elevate him? And, you know, you think about it. The wild card is Omar Manning. If Omar Manning's body and, and head are right, then maybe we finally get to see what he can do. But Torrey, I think, is a big pickup. You know, on the same day that Wandale leaves, it doesn't get as much attention. But now that we're past Wandale and his decision where he's going, I, I think people will look at Torrey and go, man, that's a big pickup for Nebraska. Gary Sharp's with us, the Iron Horse, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, take me through, uh, you've worked uh, in professional baseball, you've worked at the NHL, so you've seen uh, high-level organizations top-down handle their business. When it comes to the, the flow chart here of communication, if Nebraska goes back to the analyst role, and that's what they stick with for special teams. And we were asking Vogel about this. I want to get your take uh, when it comes to, you know, running this place like a business. Can it get better uh, with the football program if they're going to, for lack of a better term, farm out the special teams to, to an analyst and expect it to be better? And you've got a defense that's coming back that I know you'll hit on. you got an offense that we're question marks about. And you need that that other phase of the third phase in football to really be uh, a rock star for you to complement your defense and your offense for 2021. Well, we've all talked. I, I think you treat Nebraska football like a Fortune 500 company. Mm-hmm. Now, that takes the CEO as the head football coach. Is he comfortable doing that? But it's a Fortune 500 company that needs to be run like a business. And when you are limited in terms of the board of directors, let's say, a full-time assistant coaches, you got to figure out who's the best for their particular field that they're in charge of. I think when you've gone two straight years where it has not worked out in special teams, and, you know, Jonathan Rutledge, I mean, he, he had, there was a lot, I wish, you know, I wish we would have gotten to know him a little bit better because he has a very interesting background, and he walked into a tough situation. He comes, he's brand new, he doesn't know any of the personnel. Uh, he has a punter right before the season, who Daniel Cerny was going to be the punter for Nebraska, got injured. That punting was not very good. It was 95th in the country. But you have a brand-new face on that staff who can't be on the board of directors, and he can't have close contact with the players that he's trying to figure out, okay, can you do this, this, and this? Mm. And then once you get into the season and how it was a stop and a start, you're scrambling to get guys coached up on offense and defense. So when you're not on field, that's a little bit tough. But then you saw some mistakes against Illinois where, you know, you, you have a fake punt where you only have 10 guys on the field and you can't find the 11th guy, which is absolutely true. They could not find the 11th guy. And then you have Rutgers. I mean, you just had some hits and misses along the way. And, you know, you make a decision, okay, we've got to turn that into a full-time job. Is what, what I think they're going to do is they're going to create a full-time job on special teams. But Jonathan Rutledge had a tough time in a pandemic brand new trying to run special teams when you're not on field. I think what they need to do with special teams, and I do believe that it needs to be a full-time job, because Nebraska football's margin of error is so small mm-hmm. that if you're good in that phase, look at There's probably three games in the last eight losses that I can think of that were pretty heavy special teams issues. That if you correct little details, Nebraska might win a couple of more football games. And in this year where you've got to be minimum a six-win team, Everything counts. So I say go to a full-time job, find the right person to run special teams. Everybody is still involved, but there's one main guy, and make it a badge of honor to play special teams. 
hey, man, I'm on the kickoff uh, coverage team. I get to go down and blast guys. Really? How do I get on that unit? Make it a big deal. Like, the good units at Nebraska, like Bo Pelini's unit his last year, some of, uh, of course, some of Tom Osborne's uh, best teams had great special teams units. Make it a badge of honor. But I think make it a full-time position, and, and you work on it. But here's the thing. you got a head coach who is so invested in his offense, that pays so much attention to his offense, he probably needs to be more involved with special teams. So if you are on special teams, you know that the head coach is overlooking you, and, man, you don't want to let him down. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio, and yesterday, the, now it could be just an automated thing, but they the – the university has reposted <clears throat> that position as a senior special teams analyst. Of course, that can change. <laughs> you could lose a staff member. Another staff member could move on. But that it looks like they're going with what they had, that, that same arrangement as last year. So if that happens, Gary, because I agree, it seems like it's worthy enough of just having it on somebody. Look, it was on back in the day. It was on Dan Young. Mm-hmm. Like, he was yeah. an assistant offensive line coach, but he was special teams. And that was his thing. There was a similar arrangement with Joe Von DeWitt here recently. He was the special teams guy. Didn't do a great job with it, but it was on him. It, it, is that what it should take, maybe in your mind, too? Is like you take one of these assistants and you just flat out give them special teams. Or even Frost himself. Well, I would go with the latter, Mark. I would say... The head coach, kind of like Bo did at the tail end of his career, he said, I'm going to oversee special teams. Now, he didn't, you know, Bo didn't do everything on special teams. They kind of divvied out the responsibilities. But he said, that's on me. I would love to see Scott do that. Push your chips to the middle of the table and say, special teams is where we're going. We're going to get better in all of those different areas, and you're going to see the result. And the bottom line is me. I'm going to be overlook special teams with everybody involved. I'll give you an example. One of the people that interviewed for the analyst job last offseason was Sean Snyder, Bill Snyder's kid. Mm-hmm. We all thought that that was, that was getting close to the finish line. Well, whatever happened, it didn't work out, and Sean Snyder went to USC. If you read any recaps on USC season, they will tell you that a, one of the main reasons why Clay Helton has a little momentum going into 21 and had victories this year it's because the special teams at USC took a major jump. They didn't all of a sudden jump to the top of the country, but they went from where kind of where Nebraska is right now in the 115 to 120 range overall to about the mid-60s, and it made a difference. Um, so you have, if, if you're going to go with the analyst role, you've got to find somebody that you trust and also that everybody has a good understanding how important special teams are that you know, you got to share players, and this is what's going to be asked of you. But special teams, it's not an easy job to do because those aren't just strictly your players. You're sharing them with their, their position group, and some guys don't want to play special teams. That's got to change. they got to make that a badge of honor where, man, you want to be on special teams at Nebraska. And go back, guys, to one of the first things that was said when Scott was hired, and he was asked about special teams. Hey, young guys want to get on the field in their respective positions you got to perform on special teams. Well, there's enough depth in the program now that you can do that. Let's do it. Gary Sharp is with us here in a weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And, Gary, we've talked about two phases of the game, uh, the offense and the special teams. Let's get to that third phase. That's defense. This week we found out uh, that four Huskers will be returning on the defensive side of the ball. That's Ben Stilley, Will Honus, uh, Markel Dismuke, and Deontay Williams. Of those four guys, which do you think is going to have the biggest impact uh, in this defense in 2021 uh, because they're coming back? 
Well, I think, uh, you know, you got JoJo Doman and Cam Taylor Britt, of course. I think Ben Stilley will help out a lot. I think it's big for Nebraska that they all came back. And I know, you know, kind of where the temperature is in Nebraska football. You want to say, well, they must like Chenander more than like Frost. Look at those guys that, that came back. Well, I, I think the defensive guys, you know, the NFL wasn't knocking down their door to say, hey, come to the league, come to the league. So they're thinking, why not come back and play one more season? We felt good at the tail end of the season. We liked the coaches we played for. We liked that defensive side of the ball. We got good chemistry over there. I also think, guys, some of, the, some of what went into the decision-making, because some of them were a surprise. Some guys are a little bit older, and we're thinking, man, they've already got a house in Lincoln with a picket fence and two-and-a-half kids, and they got a nice portfolio. <laughs> Minivan. You know, they're not going to come back. I think, guys, also this played a factor in. If I'm a senior, and I played this last football season, and it was a football season that I've never gone through in my entire life. I kind of felt like I was screwed out of the Nebraska football experience. The stadium wasn't packed. Saturdays weren't the same. It just wasn't right. It was different. And if I had the opportunity to come back and play one more year, where I know we're going to be probably back to some sense of normalcy, where it looks like a normal Saturday in Lincoln and playing for Nebraska, yeah, I'm coming back. I think that also kind of factored in. But it's a shot in the arm for Nebraska. But as I tweeted out yesterday, it's great to – Stay, to get old and stay old, but for Nebraska to make the next step, and remember, they were about seventh in the Big Ten, so they got about a lap a yard off for play. I think they got to get into the, the four or five range to uh, start to move up in the West. This defense will be predicated success in 21 on the younger guys that make strides. Heinrich, um, Reimers, Daniels, Robinson, Rogers, Newsom, Pola Gates, Clark, uh, Farmer. Those guys that are behind these older guys, if they make strides, then this defense can really, really be pretty good. Gary Sharp with us on uh, Hale Varsity Radio. Yeah, they should be, you know, and, and, and you would totally hope that that happens this year. It, but it's funny, too, Gary, because it's one of those things where it's like you know, the defense was not – you couldn't call them great last year. Like They were, they were improved. They were improved for sure. Um, do, do you expect them – to move up into the upper echelon of the Big Ten defensively? Like, do you think that will actually happen? It's nice that they're all coming back, but they didn't put up incredible numbers last year. <laughs> right? No, so, but, they, but I, think, I, I think in the definition, Mark, of good defense these days, good defense is, let's say the other team gets the ball nine times. Just give me five stops, give me a turnover, and more field goals than touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a you got a head coach who wants this program to be all about offense and thinks that the offense is going to score 35. You just give up 31. We're good. Get us the ball back a couple of times. So I think our transition to what is good to great defense in Nebraska might need a uh, you know new definition. But 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 you know this defense just because these guys are coming back, you're right. It doesn't all of a sudden go wow they're going to be dominant. They've got to get better. But I think you saw strides at the tail end of the year where they were getting better in some key areas, whether it be red zone defense, um, getting off the field on third down. They, of course, have to force more turnovers, and they have to be better against the run. And then the same thing is will plague the 21 defense that has plagued the 20 defense, the 19 defense, the 18 defense, is can you get to the quarterback. But what is comfortable is you look at that schedule, you're going to face some pretty good offenses right out of the, right out of the start of the season. You have less concern on the defensive side or less questions than you do on the offensive side. And maybe that's a little bit of a comfortable level to have when you're going into that first five games of the season. Sharpie, we'll get you out of here uh, on this. And it's great to chat with you this morning. 
kids will report back. Guys will report back this weekend. Winter conditioning will crank up, and then the 25th is when uh, when when the winter semester and in, in spring uh, starts to happen. Uh, are you uh, are you on watch for more departures? Is there a number you have in mind uh, with guys that will continue to maybe say, "All right, uh, thanks, no thanks, I'm out." I mean, attrition's been a, a key topic. Great for the retention we just touched on, but are you are you worried about losing some some more key names? Well, I, I think you always, you know, with this weekend guys coming back. I would not be surprised if there's two or three guys that we expected to be on this roster or not back. You know, I don't have any specific mm-hmm. names, but that just that just kind of seems to make sense. Um, and Nebraska may next week add a guy or two out of the portal. I think yeah, I think the bigger thing will be what's the next step on the staff? Is there an additional change? Because you're starting to see Steve Sarkeesian wrapping up his staff at Texas. Um, you're starting to see NFL coaches be hired. So if they dip into the college ranks to grab somebody, does that open up a job? I think that's the next thing this next week is to see if there's any more movement on the coaching ranks because, you know, they're going to start winter conditioning uh, in about a week or so, and you're going to want your whole staff in place because you also, you know, you only have two spots essentially. You've got to finish up your recruiting for the 21 class. So I would watch, the, I would watch any movement on, a, on the coaching staff here in the next week, and maybe, you know, some movement on that analyst job to see if some names pop up that do interview. Jacksonville and Urban, will it, uh, will it be good, or will it just be so-so? What's your, what's your gut say? Yeah, will, will well, he end I, up it, as Scott Frost's replacement in two years after he flames out? Wow. <laughs> what? Uh-huh. I'm just <laughs> possible. Um, I think the losers in this is uh, Fox, because yeah. they lose a great analyst. I I think he'll be okay. He's a he's a good coach. I think okay is good enough right now for Jacksonville. They made a hire to make themselves relevant and to sell tickets, and they've pushed all their chips uh, onto Urban Meyer. I think he'll put together a really good staff. He's got a benefit of, you know, he's not dumb. He takes over jobs where he can be successful right away. He gets Trevor Lawrence. He gets a lot of cap room. Uh, not a bad roster on the offensive side of the football. Uh, I think he'll be okay in the division, which, guys, is not – not, not extremely difficult because Houston's a mess and you have Indianapolis and Tennessee that are the most stable. So I was surprised that he took the job, but when you look at how it lined up of what it gave him to be successful, it fits everything that Urban Meyer has done in his career from Bowling Green to Utah, Utah to Florida, Florida to Ohio State. Gary Sharp. Sharpie, uh, have good calls this weekend. Thanks for the time. Yay or nay on the Chiefs cover? Uh, nay, okay. but they win. That's what I thought. Sharpie, take care, buddy. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. Uh huh. Gary Thank Sharp you. with us, the Iron Horse on Hale Varsity Radio. Look at Ukraine, Ack. I mean, you just you pull the grenade pin. <laughs> you don't even. You at least say, "Hey, look! Look what's rolling down the hallway." As you, I uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But it's. I mean, it's a big year for for Frost. Craig, it really is. But before we go, I got to ask you. You keep on saying like the Huskers have been posting this special teams analyst. Like, where are they posting this job as? Like LinkedIn? Like no, it's it's on the it's on the uh, the bulletin board in the hallway here. <laughs> it's, it's, like the, it's like the university website, yeah. like the, the the official like university website. So if you just Google UNL.edu, can, yeah, can, like, can, like anyone just go apply? Well, I think. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, but I mean, 
as good as you were at Southeast, brother? Yeah, I don't think I stand a chance. <laughs> well, You're... all you have to do in this role is be an analyst. Yeah. Like, and I think we can all do that. I'll just send, right? send in some tape of me analyzing some special teams plays. Just well, me circling stuff and going, no. Coaching. Yeah, you don't have to do any actual coaching. So you, all you have to do is be like, well, according to my analysis, Scott, we suck. <laughs> um, you know, we need a you see that guy. Punter. You see that guy? That's, that's returned it for against you twice in his two-team yeah. Big Ten career. Don't kick to him. <laughs> I, right. They can't recruit either, right? So you just be like, right, we need a punter that can – my analysis says we need a punter that can punt the ball far. Okay, where's my check? Cranach, be good. We'll talk to you uh, next Saturday. Weekend editions wrapping now. We'll be back Monday at 4 on Hale Varsity. Take care.